This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, and welcome to the Late Late Tuesday Night Show. I'm Natalie Marr, and you can join me for the next hour, where I'll be discussing the importance of how we get people to start, stay, and lead in teaching, recruitment, and retention, with my guest, Kelly Brown. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm here on Teachers Talk Radio, 9 till 10 p.m. alternate Tuesdays on The Late Late Show. I cover a variety of topics live and you can listen back to the previous shows and in fact all the Teachers Talk Radio shows um, and previously I discussed the importance of co-curricula with Nicole Tremblay and gifted students and mental health and well-being with Sylvia Garrido Soriano. Let me introduce myself to those of you who are new to my show. So my name's Natalie. I'm a drama specialist and director of drama. Previously, I've been a head of arts faculty and I've got just over 20 years teaching experience in various secondary schools, settings in Essex, Hertfordshire and London. Alongside teaching full-time, I have a fortnightly theatre review podcast called Theatre Audience Podcast. So tonight's topic is on recruitment and retention in teaching. The big question we're posing this evening is, how do we get people to start, stay and lead? And I'll be discussing this with my guest, Kelly Brown. Kelly's worked as a teacher, educator and senior leader in London secondary schools for over 23 years and she's completing a doctorate in education. Kelly's thesis is a reflection of her work on the issues around recruitment and retention of teachers and the intersectional challenges faced by women in educational leadership. So hopefully Kelly's with me and good evening. Hi Natalie. Hello, how are you? Well, I'm very excited to be here. This is this is my thing and I think you've you've got to be passionate about something in life, haven't you? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh it's a Tuesday evening. It's very late we're teachers, but strangely we have a lot of energy considering it's the toughest term of the year for full-time teachers in secondary schools. Indeed. But it's, you know, I think I think the thing is, we always look to the next holiday. And I suppose it's about thinking about trying to fill that time with positivity. So I'm going to try to be very positive. Absolutely. And on that note, what was your route into teaching over 23 years ago, Kelly? I think for me, um, it was starting in an office-based job when I left university and realising quite quickly that it wasn't 
for me. Um, I think it just, you know, I, I don't want to knock anybody else's profession, but just sitting in front of a screen um, and not being able to move around and engage and do things which were different day to day, it just it just didn't feel right. Um, so I kind of went down the old fashioned PGCE route um, and went to a London university and really, really in, enjoyed the whole experience um, and stepped into a classroom and instantly fell in love with all the chaos and the smell of pencil sharpeners and, um, the, you know, board markers and really, really loved it. <laughs> and, and when we say things like board markers uh, and, and these things, obviously, these things are kind of obsolete now because a lot of what we do is is completely online, whiteboards, smart boards, um, interactive boards, <laughs> anything, anything. I think that so. Marker pens, <laughs> which I miss. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think it's great that things have changed um, a little bit because I think it just means that children have more access to what we do. So I love that part of it. I love the fact that it it does change. I think I get bored quite quickly. So um, I enjoy that aspect of teaching. No day is ever the same, which is really, really nice. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, we're constantly on the ball, we're constantly thinking on our feet. Um, and, and, you know, the, the challenges that we're facing on day to day basis, and, and no day is the same. Your timetable is different from day to day, you're teaching different year groups, you know, you switch one minute, it's A level, the next minute, it's it's a year seven class. Everything is different from from minute to minute. So how then, Kelly, do we get people to start to stay and to lead? <laughs> well, I don't have all the answers, but what I would say is um, I think we have to be mindful that when, as teachers, we're probably one of the first professions children actually see. Um, you know, they come to school and they see somebody working. Um, and I think they learn quite quickly. It's quite a hard gig. Um, even young children will say to teachers, gosh, you've got a lot to do today, or, you know, Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so is running around the classroom and with lots to do. Um, I think for me, um, and I don't want to sound corny, Natalie, but if I'm being uh -huh. really honest, I started teaching because I was inspired by um, a, a probably about two or three teachers in particular. I'm not saying the others weren't great, but two or three <laughs> which stand out. Um, and I, I just wanted to be like them. Um, and I grew up in Brixton in South London. And, um, you know, we went to school kind of, you know, not not far from there. But I, I think, you know, I was really aware that not everybody had access to really positive teaching around me. Um, so I think that what we need to do is, I think, you know, just by making the profession seem worthwhile. And if everybody kind of, and, and I don't mean teachers, because we know how good we are. Um, but if people just kind of showed that value for what we have to do, because I don't think we just teach. That's the thing. I think we go into it thinking we'll just teach you know, content, but actually we're, you know, we're, we're doing a bit of nursing, we're doing a little bit of counselling, we're doing um, a little bit of acting, it's all of these kinds of things. Um, so I think really getting people into the profession is having honest conversations about what the, what the profession involves, um, really showing the positive side to what we do and the impact we can make. 
and also opening it up to different teachers, people that may be interested, but just, you know, maybe they don't know how to do it, how to get involved, how to train as teachers. So really putting it up there in the same way that we would do work experience for other professions and just, you know, giving it that value, I think really helps. Yeah, because I think I think there's always a misconception, uh, um, you know, forgive me if I'm wrong, obviously, the majority of our audience are going to be people who are educators or in the teaching profession. Um, so this is kind of a big up to the teachers. But, you know, people outsiders, outsiders of, of the education sector, you know, they do, I don't think they realise just how much I do, just how much we do, just how much everyone does on a daily basis. I think there is this, you know, this preconception that we come in, we do our jobs and at three o'clock we're in our cars driving home um, and and kind of that's it. And because everyone or most people went to school for a period of time at some point in their lives, they think that they understand what teaching is. Um, and depending on what their experience was in the school setting in which they went, they will have different sort of preconceived ideas of of what teaching is um and also what teaching was when when we were at school and what teaching is now has changed massively and you know over the last 20 years the teaching profession has changed massively um in terms of of, of what we do on a daily basis and in terms of how we we do that and action that I think so. And I think it's, I think certain aspects of it have become more positive. I mean, I started teaching um, when there would be, um, gosh, rooms of children who didn't access the full curriculum. Nobody really, you know, discussed why that was the case. Um, they um, found school very challenging for whatever reason, and they were kind of hidden away. Um, you know, that I suppose, I mean, I'm, I don't want to make the profession sound really bad from years ago, but there wasn't that understanding, there wasn't that adaptive approach um, that I think that we have now. So that that is really, you know, the positive side to teaching, um, that it has made those changes. And I think for me, I just would love for more people to think about, you know, becoming teachers. I think young people need people who are going to speak up for them. Um, and yes, I'm biased. It's, I think it's the best profession in the world, but you know, it, there's just so much I think people can offer to young people now. So yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, I think, I th you know, we might want to to let uh, our listeners tonight into a little secret. And that is that we actually went to secondary school together. <laughs> so we were, we were in the same year group and, uh, and the same school setting. So some of those teachers that you've mentioned may well have been the teachers that inspired me. And, <laughs> and it is really funny, because, you know, when you talk to any teacher that is when you have time to sit down and talk to a teacher in the staff room because generally invariably um, we're all running around doing a hundred things different clubs I mean I teach drama so I don't get a lunch time um, because my lunch time is, is 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 rehearsing is doing musical theatre club is doing drama clubs um, is generally being busy and in, you know hoping to inspire children and and help those that are uh, enthusiastic to engage in in their passion but um 
you know, I, I won't mention them by name, um, but but there was one particular. I think you had a different English teacher to me, actually. But but they they were all pretty good and very inspirational. But there was one in particular um, <laughs> whom I absolutely adored, and she taught me English and she taught me drama, and um, and she inspired within me a passion for Shakespeare that has never left me to this day and I only hope that I can do you know rest in peace Miss Bibbins (laughs) but I you know I can only I can only hope that I have tried to give a piece of that to the students that I have taught over the last you know 20 odd years whether it be those that I've directed in in Macbeth or A Midsummer Night's Dream um, or The Tempest or whichever Shakespeare I have chosen for them, um, you know, or whether it's been in the classroom when we've been engaging with the text or whether it's been taking them, um, you know, to specific productions, most recently Frantic Assemblies Othello, which really engages a young modern audience um, through physical theatre and text. Um, you know, and I only hope that, you know, well, I actually know quite a lot of <laughs> a lot of my students who have gone on to teach. And that is kind of, you know, scary. <laughs> I know. That they're Sh- going to be working so hard for the rest of their lives. But, you know, but it, it fills me with joy and pride that they have picked up the mantle and, um, you know, and are, and, are, and are running with that baton. And I think as well, it's a good time to mention that that what happens, and this is, I suppose, a slightly rhetorical question, what happens to those who don't have, you know, positive teachers in their school or positive experiences of education? Um, you know, why would they choose teaching when they're their first look at teaching experience? And I think that is what leads to the problem around getting people to do the profession as well because their own experiences in school has not been positive and you know one of the things with the research that I've been doing especially looking at um you know women in leadership and asking them well you know what you know why aren't you going for the headship or why aren't you doing this you know some people say you know I I didn't have a great experience when I was at school like you know I, I felt let down and um you know, that's why I even left the profession or questioned even going into it. So there is there is this thing. I don't want to sound like we are constantly recruiting, but as teachers, you know, we're showing children the profession. We're, we're teaching the next generation of teachers, aren't we, really? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and it's it's so important. And there's been loads of discussions about this over the last um, month, I'd say, definitely on Teachers Talk Radio as well where you know we're talking about well you know it's just it's discussion that happens in the staff room as well which is that you know obviously there's a curriculum that we need to teach we are always you know with regards to A-level and GCSE you know we're, we're talking around our subject and you know we're hoping that those students who are really engaged are reading around the subject particularly when we get to A-level but there is a certain amount of content that has to be covered and there's always debate isn't there as to you know whether over time the way in which we examine and assess students needs to be changed so that we can inspire a new generation because the whole world is changing particularly in terms yeah. of technology and you know and, and we need to to move with those times um and and some of the subjects that we teach in school 
um, you know, need to adapt and evolve to the to the workplace and the marketplace and the roles and jobs that are out there in the world that never even existed 15 years ago. Yeah, but the problem is, Natalie, we're also losing potential teachers to other professions as well. Um, mm. You know, it's very difficult. Schools are finding it difficult to find, you know, geography teachers. It's quite hard to find certain subjects. Um, I don't want to be going to the stats too much, but you know, one mm. of the, the the problems I had when I was um, working for a very well-known um, teacher training organization was that it was very difficult for us to get certain subjects. We couldn't get teachers who could teach that subject because they're taken off into, you know, doing the sciences. And geography is a, a prime example, although it comes under the heading of humanities. Some of the skills that geography graduates have are taken by, you know, big companies. They're offering a, a fabulous wage, opportunity to work abroad, you know, all sorts of kind of fancy packages. Mm. Um, and we know that we've got our teachers was actually going on strike talking at the moment about pay so you know it's very difficult to compete with that especially when you're recruiting um you know graduates um you know i know what you know what would i do if i was young free single uh, recently graduated i would probably want that you know few holidays a year when i want to go um a nice car i might want to think about um, either renting or buying a property these things cost a lot of money and i suppose money talks um mm. and and teaching is tough you know mm. so th that i think is it is definitely a big issue Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 And um, you know, and, and students are seeing this, aren't they, in, in, in the public sector. Um uh, you know, so many different um unions and, and strikes and it's just it's very current, it's it's all over the news at the moment. So how how do we get people to stay? Yes. How do we retain staff now? Well, I think for a long time, I have said that there needs to be, um, you know, a targeted approach. Um, so it didn't feel like for me, and this is very personal, I guess, it didn't feel like opportunities were open. I, when I went into teaching, I didn't think about um, somebody, you know, focusing on my professional development. Every professional development meeting was led by me. I'm sure that people have a package of support which really considers their professional development is absolutely the key to, to, to keeping teachers. Absolutely. And, and making sure that there is, you know, opportunity for people to professionally grow and reflect on their work and, um, and challenges that that they can you know pick up with regards to progressing up the leadership ladder i absolutely and i think it's really important as well that the opportunities are open to you know a number of people in the organization it, it shouldn't feel like if you've you know you've attended you know a couple of sessions at the, the the pub or you've done a few social events that you've kind of got one foot in to any opportunities that that absolutely shouldn't be how it feels um i think it really has to focus on looking at the individuals um, and having a package and them having a champion i think teachers still need their own champion within their organization yeah absolutely i mean everyone needs a little bit of praise and um and i think often um you know that could that i think that could be more forthcoming at times i think yes. um 
there, you know, for me, I, oh, you know, very, very recently, I took uh, the entire year seven to see Frozen. Um, and so that was, you know, 155 of us um, <laughs> students and, and you know, and then a, the correct ratio of teachers. Um, and then two weeks later, took the whole of year eight to see Back to the Future. So this was a mammoth organizational task. And you know what? The loveliest thing was receiving an email the next morning from a year seven, just one out of that 138, but but one email saying, thank you so much, miss, for taking me to the theatre. I hadn't had that opportunity before. And I absolutely loved being able to sit with my friends and my whole year group and watch a West End show. And you know what? The next morning I was absolutely dog tired. And, and there I was at my desk thinking, how many emails am I going to have to wade through before I go to form? And it just melted my heart and made me think, do you know what? That was worthwhile. And two weeks later, there was that one child as I was walking down the road on the coach back to school and just said, oh, thank you, miss. I had a really good day. (laughs) And it's those little things, isn't it, that just just fills you with joy and makes you go, yeah, that's why I do this. That's why I'm doing this. They are grateful. They do appreciate me and and they're learning stuff and, and I'm enthusing them. It does. And I think we could do be more for our colleagues as well, you know, by thanking them and thinking about, you know, their workload, their their day. Um, and just kind of, you know, looking a little bit more outward rather than thinking me, me, me all the time. Um, because you know schools are supposed to be a place of consideration um and and being thoughtful so a little bit of more of that helps one of the things that has cropped up in the research that i've been doing is people who feel like they're doing somebody else's job or they are doing a bigger job than they're employed to do and that is not recognized as well it almost feels like it becomes part of their regular role and that's something else that people get very very upset about um and i i suppose many of us can think of situations where we've been you know doing something else that a colleague should be doing or we're not paid to run a certain club or paid, like you said, to do some of the extras yeah. that run into nine, ten o'clock. That yeah. has a huge impact, Natalie. And that that is something that again we need to consider in schools because sometimes people just can't they just can't cope with any more. Absolutely. It's it's you know, it's that pressure cooker thing, isn't it? It's the um the boiling the boiling pan on the stove and that lid that's just and it's simmering and it's you know about to overflow or boil dry. And it's just making sure that people can stay afloat because it is it is full on from the minute you arrive to, you know, the minute you leave, whatever time that may be, if you're someone who leaves and then takes their work home or if you're someone who stays in the building until it's all finished so that you can go home and, you know, mentally, you know, just go into your own world and not take your work home you know, whoever you are, it's, it's really important that, that you are supported and that you're not um, feeling like you're doing the work of someone else or, or something that you're not getting that gratitude for. Uh, and there was something I, I was reading, it was a little bit negative, actually, but it was something that I was reading on, on Twitter. And um, it was that, someone was saying you know I've, I, I need to make sure that the, the kids aren't coming into school 
to watch me work. Yes. yes. <laughs> I need to make sure that I am making the students in front of me work. It was like, you know, someone sort of coming to some kind of realisation um, that they were working harder in the classroom than their students were. Absolutely. And, you know, these people um, are teachers. They're often coming in with the burden of other things as well. Um, and that's something else we don't talk about um, that cro crops up in a lot of the, the work that I do, which is, you know, around people having other responsibilities. So other caring responsibilities, parents, um, children, uh, partners, you know, all sorts, the full range and those pressures as well, you know, and it's it's so difficult in teaching to take time off to really, um, what do they call it, you know, come in and, and, and be your true self. Um, you know, that that's quite hard because, you know, you feel like you're going to be judged. So teachers can often go in with the burden of something that's happening at home as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and often I think, because you know of this for the outside outsiders of the teacher you know this stigma of you know well they get such long holidays you know <laughs> it, it the the thing is you know terms are very very short um the timetable is so huge i think we've seen this what with covid where there were gaps and then and then you come back into school you know for me as a creative subject you know we yes. couldn't go to theater we couldn't do those things and then all of a sudden when everything was back on at full pelt it was almost overwhelming because you're suddenly doing five times what you were doing and you know it was different work then you were doing resources you were doing other things and then it was like 100% on full on productions everything um yeah and, you know and it is exhausting and you do get to that end of term and and then you hit that first week of holiday boom illness hits you because you have worked non-stop and mm. and then you just begin to relax in the holiday and then you get back into the oh, I'm going back and I need to plan um and I think you know with with you know people with outside pressures responsibility um you know loss grief uh, but teachers kind of have, because we are hard workers, it's a hardworking profession, because yep. we feel responsible, because we know that those children are expecting us in that classroom, because we are the continuity for those children, for some of those children, depending on the setting that you're in, depending on what challenges your students face, depending on what area they live in, depend, you know, depending on what you know, social class or economic you know, situation they're in. And at the moment, everyone is in um you know you it, it is full on and it's it's where do you find that that respite and that that balance absolutely and i and i think as well you know what other profession do you have to set work even if you're feeling unwell um it's yeah. on you it's, we are definitely yeah. a special breed <laughs> it, is, it is a really peculiar thing and actually ironically i was i was talking about this with uh, someone completely outside of the profession but actually who works in the emergency services um so other completely different pressures and and, and, and you know just just uh, and i kind of am in awe of, of that profession and and what they do and what they see on a day-to-day -day basis and just that and i was explaining and this you know this takes me back my son's 17 years old but um you know a bit of personal detail but uh 
you know, I nearly, I, I nearly lost him when he was 10 months old. And, and there I am in hospital. Once he'd stabilized, um, I'd nipped out into the corridor and everyone's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I need to set my cover work. And I was in some kind of weird post-traumatic stress, mm-hmm. nightmare, dream sequence kind of weirdness um, where I felt like I needed to do that in order to relax. And there is yeah. no other profession as far as I'm concerned where, you know, on your sickbed when you're feeling rough, you, and you know, or flu and you can't get out of bed, COVID, you're setting work um, because we are so conscientious, because we don't want to put our colleagues under stress, because we know that when they work up in the morning, they need to be able to just go in and teach what they need to teach. They don't need That's to be right. scrappling around to find, you know, some resources to, to set work for us. That's right. I don't know. I mean, you know, these are the things that we have to reflect on because they do happen. You know, we know that this is happening um, and that's not going to help our teachers to stay. So it's thinking about these things. Yeah, and being mindful. Uh, So on that note, I'm just going to uh, play in our news and information about our sponsor. So uh, we will rejoin you in a couple of minutes and uh, and then we'll be picking up thinking about how we recruit uh, more teachers and the challenges of leadership and uh, finding out more about your doctoral research, Kelly. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The iNews website covers the issue of vaping in schools. Whilst vaping is thought to have helped many adults kick their unhealthy smoking habits, the rise in straight to vaping in young people and children rings alarm bells for many. The report focuses on concerns expressed by teachers about angsty pupils struggling with the wait for their next fix. Vapors making school toilets frightening places as they gather in groups, increases in internal truancy and worries it may lead to pupils experimenting with stronger substances. Some schools have made significant changes to toilets to include sophisticated sensors which set off an alarm when e-cigarettes are used whilst others have increased numbers of staff on duty in corridors to deter pupils from skipping lessons in order to vape. Many schools have also invited police and health specialists in to talk about vaping in a bid to educate pupils on the dangers. Many schools across the UK now ban vapes, treating them like other banned items such as drugs and knives. This is prompting suspensions and other high-level sanctions in a bid to remove them from schools. England's Chief Medical Officer, Professor Sir Chris Whitty, said last week that the number of children vaping was appalling and heavily criticised companies which produced them in flavours such as green gummy bear and watermelon bubblegum. The bright colours, shapes reminiscent of highlighter pens and the low cost of around £5 making them attractive to youngsters with pocket money to spare, which Whitty described as utterly unacceptable. 
The proportion of 11 to 17-year-olds who say they have tried vaping rose from 14% to 16% in 2022, according to a YouGov survey, with a percentage of children who regularly vape doubling in the same time period. The article also features references to Teachers Talk Radio's Tom Rogers tweet asking how much of a problem vaping was for schools, with many replies indicating it is a serious cause for concern. Full details of the article are available online. In related news, many media outlets have been reporting on so-called school protests, which seem to be focused on toilets and the right to use them as a key issue. According to multiple stories, pupils have been encouraged to protest about rules focused on restricting free access to toilets by posts on social media platforms such as TikTok. The majority of the schools affected make it clear that rules around access to toilets are made for safeguarding purposes, designed to protect all pupils and to minimise bullying, vaping and other antisocial behaviours. The Evening Standard reports that a quarter of UK student gamblers may be experiencing harm whilst half said betting had affected their university experience. The survey of over 2,000 students at UK universities was conducted in December. It found that 71% of the respondents had gambled in the last 12 months, with 24% exhibiting problem gambling behaviour. Of the students who said gambling had had an impact on their experiences at university, 13% said they'd had trouble paying for food, 10% had missed lectures and 9% struggled to pay bills. A third of student gamblers said they spent between £11 to £20 per week with 13% admitting to a spend of between £50 and £100 per week. Only 55% of those surveyed were aware that support for them was available through their universities. Full details of the report are due at the end of February. Finally, Aberdeen Live reports on a project led by the University of Aberdeen, which has led to a successful trial of a new approach to teaching which is helping improve adult literacy in Rwanda. The project adapted the existing adult educational curriculum to better develop relevant knowledge and skills which can be applied in students' daily lives. These techniques included role play, group activities, case studies and problem solving. Previously, only 14% of those pursuing an adult learning course felt they had gained the skills they needed, with 66% still unable to read and 76% unable to write by the end of the course. The new method showed improvements in multiple areas, with adults retaining their knowledge and skills, which were linked to nutrition and hygiene, improved household income, animal husbandry and becoming community leaders. The project was funded by the Scottish Government. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. And a reminder that this show is brought to us in partnership with John Katz Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines. Uh, so, Kelly, we were, going, we were discussing um, how we can recruit more teachers into the profession. Yes. And, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Natalie, I was just thinking about this as well, because um, it's not just about recruiting more teachers. It's also about getting teachers to consider leadership as well. Um, and one of the things that I think about often and reflect on is that I had really supportive parents. There was no doubt that they were, that, you know, they, they wanted me to do well, but I didn't have access in terms of, you know, like work experience or somebody else. Um, who could show me what leadership looked like in education. I didn't, I didn't have that. I was, 
um, you know, this this black girl from Brixton. Um, I'd never been taught by a black teacher. I wasn't actually taught by a black teacher until I went to university um, and then had a, a, a black lecturer. Um, so it, I didn't see it. And, you know, they talk about you need to see it, it you know, to be it type of thing. Um, and I think now what I would love to see is more people thinking about leading in schools. Um, but I also know it's a tough, it's a tough job, you know, leading any kind of leadership from middle leadership right through to senior leadership is, is tough. Um, and, you know, that's, that's really why I decided to do a doctorate in education was to look more closely at how do we get people to stay and how do we get them to lead? Um, mm. And I, you know, and, and that, that is what we want because we don't want people to stay for two years and then go off and do something else. We want them to to stay and manage our schools. Mm. And and that's it. Do you know what? It's it's a really, really interesting um, reflection there because uh, it, it's something that myself and, and my colleague talk about quite regularly. Um, <clears throat> Obviously, I had a, a slightly different experience to you, even though we were in the same school. Um, and these were not things that I probably would even have, have thought about in my, you know, teenage naivety. Um, I, I you know I just spent a lot of time um, looking at a particular sick former when I was in year seven thinking, oh, my goodness, I really want want to be like her. Uh, and, you know, and now she is, you know, she's all over Netflix all the time in, in some really big shows. <laughs> and, you know, so so I was looking at completely different things. I was, you know, oh, I want to be like this person. And I, you know, I want to perform in this production and, you know, different challenges, different things that I was inspired by. Um, but but absolutely, it's um you know, another thing as well, you know, we, we were in a girls school and yeah. um, it was predominantly run by, by female teachers. All the, in fact, all the senior leadership roles were women. Um, yeah. and, and I think maybe that, that was a really a strong thing for us in terms of um, aspiration and, uh, you know, I just remember those assemblies. We had a lot of assembly, you know, girls, you can do anything you want to, anything you put your mind to. And I think they, in turn, particularly the um, the head teacher and, and the two deputies were very much, um, you know, inspired by Margaret Thatcher, the Iron Lady. <laughs> they, they even modelled their hair on her. <laughs> but, um, Indeed. You know, and it, it, it is about, you know, what you see on, on a daily basis. And coming back to a point that you made earlier on in the show, um, you know, about what, you know, if, if, a, if a child, um, if a student doesn't have a great experience at school, then, you know, then they're never going, they're going to want to get as far away from education and school as possible. And in primary school, um, you know, I know myself when I was in primary school, I had, and, you know, I don't know how much this has changed now. I can't speak for the primary sector, but, you know, I was stuck with one teacher for the whole year we didn't really have a peri teacher that came in and did a bit of music with you and a bit it was that one teacher teaching you all the subjects and yeah. whilst one year I had a phenomenal amazing teacher who inspired me who encouraged me who nursed me who you know gave me praise there were sticker charts there was all sorts going on 
another year, um, it, it, it happened to be a male teacher and he was very biased towards the boys and the boys yeah. were at the front and in maths, they had their hand up constantly. I needed more thinking time in maths. Maths has never and will never be my strong point. You know, I only need to do percentages. I only need to do an Excel spreadsheet. That's what I need to do. And that's me and my, and, and, and put the children into groups um, and work out how many parts there are in this play. But you know, in, in that environment, I felt like I was a bit silenced and that I, I, I needed more time. Oh, they've answered it. Oh, I won't try. And, you know, <laughs> if, if a student feels like that, they're, they're not going to thrive and, 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 and want to stay in education. No. And that's the thing. And, you know, I, I just, I, I just try to think of ways that we can make sure that people do want to stick around um, and that we make leadership, as I said, you know, appealing um, because we want those kind of teachers that don't really, you know, or didn't care enough years ago. I, don't, I think it's got a lot better now. But, um, you know, we want the good ones to really, really stay and work with our children. And I think that the idea of having, you know, diversity in leadership is really important. Um, I'm based in London. Um, and what I see in the schools, and I'm just I'm just looking at what's coming through the chat, um, that primary schools do a fabulous job. Like, you know, people speak very, very positively, mostly about their primary school experience. Um, it, it just seems slightly different to the secondary schools. And I know we both do secondary, but mm. secondary can be, can, you know, it can be a harsh place. Um, it can be a harsh place if you don't feel accepted. It can be a harsh place if you don't feel included. And all the work that they do on inclusivity and um, diversity can only work when you can win over the the hearts of people, because um, we all know what the right things are mostly, but it's mm. just about making sure that it actually happens in practice. Um, you know, there's no point having, you know, these fabulous assemblies about you know being nice to everybody and diversity is great and inclusion is great and we're going to do you know a month to recognize this and a month to recognize <laughs> that and then everybody just goes back and you yeah. know the curriculum doesn't work and you know the person that feels left out still feels left out and neurodiversity is considered not top priority you know all of these things it it all matters and i think all of these factors can coexist positively at the same time to make really positive schools i still mm. believe in you know i still believe it's possible absolutely absolutely and you know, I guess these are, these are the challenges that that schools face day to day. Um, you know, year, they, year by yeah, year, yeah, they do. And I think you know we need to get the right people into the right posts. Um, and I think one of the things that happened to me, even when I did consider leadership, because I was from uh, sort of like South London, I was in, I, I was teaching in my well, one of my first schools was um, a school in Tooting. And it was a really challenging um, secondary school, boys school. And as I kind of grew in confidence and experience, they were like pushing me down the pastoral route, you know, and I kind of, mm. I wanted to do that. You know, I want to be head of year. You know, these are the kids. They're from my area. I get it. I understand it. I know what they're talking about. 
But actually, we need to make sure that we're just pushing teachers because we think they have some sort of connection with the students because of, mm. I don't know, religion or race or culture into the pastoral roles. What about the academic roles as well? You know, I, and I think now I see myself as more of an academic lead. Um, I actually think I'm not as strong pastorally. I don't think I've got, I've, I haven't got the right temperament, Natalie, if I'm honest, but I think <laughs> I, I haven't. No, you have to be honest. I, I get too emotional. Um, yeah. It's a bit much that's, for me. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, you know, we, you know, we, we try not to, but we do take our job home with us sometimes, you know, it can, it can be emotional. Um, yeah. You know, as, as a creative, as, you know, a drama teacher, I know over the years, if students are, struggling with socially fitting in or if students are you know I have had over the last 23 years I can count on 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 four hands the amount of students so it's probably one a year yeah <laughs> over, over time you know who have who have come out to me because they feel that I am in a world much as I am a teacher I also yeah. kind of Venn diagram because I previously acted professionally and still move in those circles um, because of my theatre podcast, because of my connections with producers, directors, actors, people from drama school, etc. You know, they know that I'm in in that world, and 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 it is a more diverse world in different ways. Yeah. Um. And and so if if they're going to come and talk it out with anyone, um. You know, we would be an area, drama, maybe art, um, possibly music, you know, where where students who maybe feel that they don't fit in in certain ways feel that they really do fit in there. And, you know, they can be in a production and they're maybe with students who are two, three, four, you know, four years older than them or, you know, and they feel that they can, you know, then walk around the playgrounds and, and they're getting a high five or a fist pump from a kid that's three years older than them. And it makes them feel a sense of belonging and that they have a kind of little kind of niche or family within within the school. Um, and, you know, and, and it's just, for me, I have always been subject-based. You know, yeah. I, I went into the teaching profession because I knew, because of the, you know, what I said earlier on about, you know, the passion for my subject and wanting to to teach that to students and to help them grow and and to go off you know whether it's social skills and communication skills and teamwork skills you know life skills that they can take with them or whether it's the ones who want to go and be producers directors actors writers or or work on the technical side of theatre I've got a lot of students that have have gone off to be um, you know set designers or costume designers you know one's currently working or was working on six and then went to Broadway with it. And, and this is, you know, super proud moments. But for me, it's always been the subject. And whenever anyone has tried to push, push me in a pastoral route, I have dug my heels in. Um, I became head of drama at the end of my first teaching year, at the end of my, you know, newly qualified teacher year. And, and, and that's, that's where, where I sit and, and, you know, I did then become head of arts faculty at one point where I was, you know, heading up seven different departments. Um, and that was an interesting role, but it was then so far away from my passion and my subject, which is drama, 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 
that, you know, I then sideways stepped off, went into the independent sector and took a director of drama role because then I could be more creative and have more projects. Um, but it is really, really interesting. And and then for me, I kind of think, well, you know, where would I go next? I It would only be a deputy head role where I was in charge of the arts. Well, yes. I mean, y- yeah. And, and that's that's difficult because you do less teaching um, mm. as you kind of take on that, you know, senior roles. And, and, and that is hard, especially because you have such a passion for your subject. Um, lots of people feel that they're missing out. You know, they kind of become deputy head and they don't get to teach as much. And very few head teachers actually get to teach at all. At all. Um, I yeah. yeah. I think it might be better in the primary um, uh, uh, world because, you know, I I know lots of head teachers who are in primary schools um, really do try to do something um, and and nip in. But secondary schools, that's sad. I don't think they do that much. It's yeah, it's tough. I mean, I know in, 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 you know, in the in the sort of four or five different schools that I've worked in you know sometimes you do have a deputy head and they might have some lessons I mean I remember when we were at school I had the head teacher for chemistry that was really scary yeah. <laughs> um, but but often and I remember this as a student as well of the you know however many lessons a term I think I saw her for a fraction of those because there was always something or an emergency or a meeting or something they're being called to and I think yeah. that is why you know less and less you know, deputy heads are are in the classroom. I think they try to keep their toe in. Um, yeah. But, but I think, you know, I think especially recently with all, you know, the heaps and heaps of, of things they've had to deal with, with COVID, with, you know, all the new regulations, changes, you know, exams, how those have changed and then and then not changed and then change, you know, there's, there's been so much um, that I think it would be impossible to try and regularly be in the classroom with, with a group of students effectively. I'm actually quite worried as well, because I think that I, I feel like we will run out of people wanting to do those headship roles. That That's a concern for me. Um, I think there's something that's shifted in society in that, you know, if, if you make one mistake or you, you, you know, you yeah. do something and I'm, and I'm not talking about massive things. I'm talking about, you know, quite small things because obviously you should be held to account. I think yeah. people are so nervous about what can happen. Mm. Um, even the way that social media is used, you know, it, you know, in a school and if you make an error. So I do worry that that shortage of leadership um, within our schools is, is going to be a problem. Um, you know, it, we don't want everybody who's a head teacher just to be, you know, another bursar or do you know what I mean? Or a financial yeah. director. That's not, that's not the job. I think head teacher, as, as the the name suggests is, you know, head teacher, somebody that leads the teachers, not the paperwork. And I just feel like it's becoming less and less fashionable to be a head teacher in schools. Hmm. Yeah, it's and interesting. I, you know, it's not something I'd thought yeah. about until now. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, doing doing doctoral research, and I definitely recommend it. I mean, people ask me yeah. all the time, you know, Kelly, you're crazy. How can you do that? How can you still be studying? And, it, you know, it's so hard. But actually, it helps me to be a better person in schools. You know, I observe, I look, I watch. 
Um, I'm very sensitive to when people are um, feeling the way that they they feel and research the kind of research I do because it's qualitative research. It's mm. it's very personal. Um, you know, I sit face to face with people. I look into their eyes. I ask them about their primary school experience. You know, why they teach. Is there, you know, anything in their personal life which affects their 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 life as a teacher? And you know, there can be tears and. Um, you know, like real sort of like sharing in these mm. environments. And I think it's really just made me a better person. Um, so I, I would definitely recommend it. I mean, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, sounds, it's been sounds, a great journey. It sounds really interesting, really fascinating. Um, doctorate in education and, and you know, I, myself, I've, I've begun to be thinking this, you know, do I want to start an MA? So, and then, and then, and then workload has just got crazy it's that that term where you think do you know what stop (laughs) um think about it in the next half term think about it over easter but but yeah so you you look at the challenges of leadership especially for women within your doctorate or i do especially for women and especially for black women um my focus is definitely more in london um which has its own sort of unique uniqueness let let Mm. us say but um yeah, I, I look at the challenges for black women in, in leadership um, and, it, it you know, it's complicated, but just as a sort of like overview that, that, again, if you're working in a school as a black woman where there are children that are from ethnic minorities, you end up being the, the go-to person for those things. You know, it's, you know, who's going to sort out Black History Month? Who's going to, you know, sort <laughs> out, you know, and, and, and that's not actually what your role should be. So, you know, I do say to schools, if you're choosing the one sort of, you know, black teacher that works in the history department or leadership to be responsible for all the diversity drives in the school, you need to stop it um (laughs) you know that that's not the way to go but often you know for leadership it can be just a a a number of factors and not feeling that 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 their face fits because sometimes you you know it can be in in you as well it's really difficult to kind of step up to say look you know employ me um, and I have some people saying, you know, that they're in teams where there's already a senior black leader, so they don't feel that the school will employ another one, almost like that box has been um, ticked. Oh, wow. and, yeah. And you have to say, look, no, go, you know, go for the job, um, you know, push through that and definitely go for that. So it's it's been an eye opener. And, and even looking at things like accents, Natalie, you know, I speak to women yeah. who you know, have regional accents, maybe, you know, like northerners and, um, you know, and they say that they, they've tried to change the way that they speak or they were like, they were educated in another country. And they say, you know, they, they try to, to speak with more of a, you know, an English um, tone to their voice. That, is, so that, that they... is really interesting. Do you know that yeah. that is re- in my very first um, teaching school, I I was in Ilford um, in Redbridge and uh, in a, an incredibly ethnically diverse school. And in fact, um, I would say I felt like I was, um, uh, as, as, as a white female, I felt like I was um, more in the, in the minority. And, uh, I, and as I looked out across my classroom, I thought, oh, what do they think of me? I almost yeah. felt like I needed to gain 
do I want to say gain their respect? I don't know how. I felt like I I needed to get them on side. Yeah. Um, in in order to uh, respect me, to identify with me, um, which I didn't need to do at all because they were completely receptive to me and my style and my personality and my energy and my intonation and the way in which I, you know, I was teaching English and drama to them, um, you know, and it was it was you know it was incredible. There were so many different languages spoken and in fact when I I was there for six years and when I returned from maternity leave um in order to fit into my part-time schedule of three days I I took on a little bit of RE teaching a little bit of religious education and uh, which surprised me (laughs) and um you know and it was more they were presenting to me things about their religion and I was learning with them and actually it was it was really fun because we sort of you know we made it more dramatic and 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 it was just it was really kind of exciting um and energetic and and I really loved it it was a completely um different experience from my teacher which had been over in Essex um and and completely a different diversity um and I that's what's part of the excitement of the profession, you know, to teach in very different settings is incredibly exciting. Um, it's a gift. It's definitely know, a gift. I went to a girls' school with you. Um, I've taught like you in a in a, in a in a boys' school. I was in a boys' school for for seven years. Uh, a boys' comprehensive. I've I've taught in state sector. I've taught in the independent sector, uh, and all of those experiences have been wonderful and very different and the ways in which I've been able to teach my subject and creativity again have been very diverse and very very different different challenges um and so I find that we've got so much to say but we're um we're we're coming up to the end of the show um so it's been wonderful speaking to you Kelly um is there anything any words of wisdom that you have to wrap us up for the evening are very tired teachers at at 10 p.m and appreciate each other and work together um and know that people out there are there if you want to speak to anybody and if you want to be a leader definitely do it definitely worth it (laughs) absolutely absolutely well it has been it has been wonderful speaking to you this evening kelly um it's been nice reminiscing about our school days as well thank you so much and uh and i just want to say a big thank you to teachers talk radio to teachers talk radio family uh for their help and support with my show this evening um there's uh, there's loads of shows worth listening to that this show was brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their range of titles and advance your own professional development today um it's been a joy uh speaking to you all this evening it's been uh, been wonderful and a show to look if you've enjoyed our topic a show to look out for uh coming up on the saturday breakfast show with darren lester 
he's going to be talking about uh, his topic is actually why bother teaching uh, and he's going to be discussing the drop in initial teacher training so thanks a lot uh, I've been Natalie Ma. this has been the late late Tuesday night show and I look forward to catching up with you in a fortnight's time you've been listening to teachers talk radio Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.